I'm Dr. Jamie Grant. I'm a bossy femme bottom, and this is Just Sex, Mapping Your Desire. In December, I had the incredible privilege of visiting with two people whose lives, work, and daily practices are a guiding light to me as we consider ways to create a more connected, sexy, meaningful, and more just world. Alexis Pauling Gums and Shangodare talked with me for about an hour and a half about the mysteries and practicalities of growing their decade-long, spiritually enlarging, sexy, visionary relationship. The third podcast of the current season features the meaty center of that conversation, and it's entitled, A Ceremony Can Always Be Found. You might want to go to it right now if you haven't already had a listen. But today, for emergency podcast number four, I want to share an excerpt of our conversation that focused on practicalities, on the tools they call upon as a couple and as revolutionaries to stay connected and to grow. Their words seem incredibly timely today, as we all struggle with being physically isolated from many of our loved ones, and as the whole world seems to have hit the pause button. And as tough as it is, I believe this is a collective, life-changing moment for all of us. And like all life-altering events, it's full of possibility. It's a moment that calls upon us to draw on and grow a deeper set of skills to survive, and one that I hope inspires us to think beyond the crisis of the moment, to ask ourselves what we want to grow forward from here, and importantly, what we must discard in terms of all the obvious practices and systems that have not been working in our personal lives and in our communities. Alexis and Sangodari talk about, above all, the importance of generosity in growing their life partnership, the critical role of their deep belief in each other, their commitment to being in it together, and finally, my favorite thought in our entire dialogue, anything that has saved our life can be shared. Enjoy. What comes to mind for me, though, is where the Mobile Homecoming Project is right now is really in this space of what does it mean for people to be at home. Mm -hmm. So for like the past 10 years, we traveled around, we made a mobile home, we made retreats and like ceremonies and specific spaces for people to connect to each other and across generations and to tell their stories. And over and over again, people talked about feeling like they didn't have home in multiple ways, like space to gather that was intergenerational and not just narrowed by age, fragmented by age, but also like actual housing insecurity that people of multiple ages, especially black queer community, are experiencing. And so we're in this place of creating home and our long-term vision of it is actual physical home, actual residential home and community gathering space that people get to be together across ages. We think of it as a as really like a black queer living library. Like what does it mean for the lives, like for us to honor each other's lives as this incredible transformational educational archive that we live mm -hmm. inside of. And I think what we're realizing that this this exact moment is 
focused on what does that mean in terms of spiritual home. So we're at a place now where we're in Durham and we're excitedly hosting monthly and it's moving to bi-monthly actual Sunday services that are based in the sacred text and like the queer black divinity of our ancestors mm. and seeing what that means for people to be like, oh, there's actually a home for my spirit. You know, like there's actually a place where I can come on a regular basis to renew that's not judging me, right. that's not excluding me because of who I am or what I believe or how, how I think about things even. And that this is, this is something that is multi-sensory, we're singing, we're dancing. Shandar is offering these incredible sermons that are like, actually activate your chakras somehow through, I mean, I know one of the um, desire mapping definitions was orgasmic. I feel like there's an orgasmic multitude of people who are transformed by your sermons. I know I am. So maybe that shouldn't project on the congregation, but I think that, that, that they're orgasmic. Orgasmic. Um, <laughs> Love it. And that we're realizing is the foundation of this residential space that we're building is like, oh yeah, what does it mean to have spiritual home? And what is the spiritual attunement and vibration that we actually get to create here through regular practices where people can start to replace the many practice the many experiences of spiritual exclusion that they've had. That right. they've had that are actually impacting us in every area of our lives. Mm-hmm. If we feel like our spirit is not accepted, how do we make space in our lives for our own spirit? And what that is and what it's telling us, which often is what we want, you know, our desire. Right, right. And being able to trust that unless we can practice, oh no, this is what this is what it meant for me to bring my whole spirit to singing this song. This is what it meant for me to sit here and I can be transformed towards my highest destiny together with other people. Yeah, that's that's a major focus for us now. And we're excited about what it means to create that here locally in Durham and also stream it around the world so people can see that as a model too. Yeah. I would say also that as we create this all ages, independent and assisted living space that sustains the lives and legacies of our black feminist elders, mobile homecoming elders, but also their caregivers and the people that are walking in their legacy. Like as we're doing that, it involves growing the capacity of us and our community to create safe and sacred space for all of the wonderful movement and life-giving things that we're doing, justice things, but also for intimacy and for healing and for sensuality. Thinking about who are who are the folks that do that? What are the ceremonies that help people grow on their path so that they can do that? I think of the ways that Durham is Yes, gentrifying, but it's. I think somehow that's part of the ceremony for Durham being a, a hub or a magnet, like a life-giving magnet for queer people of color mm-hmm. and folks who have an alignment with queer people of color. Mm-hmm. Because of the, the political organizing that's going on here, but also because of the legacy of Polly Murray yes, and yes. the National Historic Site that's here. And I feel like the decades of work by Mandy Carter. Yeah. Yes, yes. Song. You've got the yeah. foundation here that's so powerful. Yeah, and I feel like that there's an opportunity and an invitation that we're answering the call to, yeah, to create this space that, you know, will grow over time so that we don't necessarily always have to go 
to the big corporate hotels to have our gatherings. We can have Absolutely. gatherings that yes. are on the land that we're cultivating over decades and generations. I, I think that that's a, a really big vision and it involves a lot of vulnerability and growth and creating partnerships that are not just about the business, but also the spiritual growth that has to happen and the intimacy that you have to cultivate to be able to let go of these things, capitalism and is racism, all the other isms, um, to just let those things melt away so we can actualize a vision that seems impossible mm -hmm. from here. Mm -hmm. But that's part of what's so exciting yeah. about it. Like the best orgasm you ever had, of course you could not imagine it before. No. Well, yeah. <laughs> practice into walk into that sort of um, dream and vision and I think part of that even and even us living in the type of apartment that doesn't necessarily engender that vision right part of that though is okay my desire is to have a safe peaceful clean place to be yeah. and what else do I desire well I want to be able to eat good meals yeah. like what are we I feel like where we're at is what do we right. create like, for ourselves yeah that we want to see reflected in this space that we're creating for our community. Mm -hmm. Like I, I do want our community to have the best, most beautiful. I want, I want our elders to be able to walk into a room that's like got beautiful tied walls yes. and candles, and there's a bubble bath with organic indigo and purple flowers, yes. and and there's somebody that's going to lift them into, into the water and help them, them out, and loves and them, respects them, and, respect, and knows them, but not a fan, but right. in relationship with them, yes. and you know, and that massages their body, and that knows that oh, I feel you need it, so I'm going to let I'm going to let our other comrade know that you know you need more turmeric, yes. you, you know what I'm saying? Yes. Like all the things, all of that, all the things, and I feel like that that is. That's a those are practices that you have to cultivate and even practices that include things like resisting the tape that says, no, don't have excess. Don't spend a lot of money. We need to manage our money. Use as little money as possible. No, don't make money. Don't ask. It's like there's right, so right. many there's things. There's so many things. Right, this is impossible. This is too big. Exactly. Or I don't deserve. Yep. I don't deserve. Yeah. And so I feel like it, it's, this is really deep powerful work. I think it brings up all kinds of things, things that we experience in our physical bodies. I'm, I don't know if other people have this perspective, but I think, yeah, it's like you, it's, it's work to grow. Mm -hmm. And um, those blocks sometimes show up in your body. They show up in your relationships. Right. And in my opinion, you can't be accidental about it. You have to dive in mm -hmm. or it can be harder than it needs to be. Yeah, and I think, you know, wherever we're at, we can love each other. Whatever lessons that we're having, we can love each other. And I feel like the generosity, the generosity that I experience in my relationship with you is just, it, it is actually what builds the faith and belief. And I think actually more facility around the practice of understanding that, like, wherever people are at, what, how generous and generative of it is it and how does it shift everything just to be like we're in it together yeah there's so many things in our relationship like we we're both air signs we're both bad at a lot of the same things especially <laughs> like paperwork <laughs> right logistics and there's so many things that seem impossible to us until it's like okay but we're in it together mm -hmm. and we'd be bad at it together but you know what's the what's the 
what's the way to move through it with generosity and knowing that we're loved and knowing that like wherever we're at, it's not about making us wrong or it means we're going to be separate or isolated. I mean, I think it's, it's the same thing. My fear of isolation has caused me to isolate myself in advance because right. I don't want to feel the rejection right. of being isolated by somebody else. Yep. And I think that that's what we're talking about. We're talking about the possibility of the rigor that Shankadari talks about where everything can be a lesson and there's so much growth that we can have cannot happen in isolation. It's something where it's like, oh, if I'm sitting here trying to prove that I deserve to be alive, right? Audre Lorde talks about this in, in her essay, Eye to Eye, Black Women, Hatred and Anger. She says we can learn to mother ourselves. And she says part of that is understanding the difference between being rigorous with ourselves and our growth and that unforgiving way that we decided to treat ourselves to prove that we were human. Mm-hmm. Society told us we had to do this to prove that we're human, so we're hard on ourselves and we shut ourselves yeah. down. And that is actually a completely different thing from being able to be like, oh, in our relationship, in my relationship with other people, there's something else I can take responsibility for and grow around. You know, like that. There's some, there's a way that I don't have to be like, don't look at this, don't look at this, don't look at that, because I'm so afraid of being judged. Mm. But I can say, oh no, I I am ready to look at what has it cost me, all the work I've been doing to try to escape rejection. What has it actually cost me? And what else can I do? Yeah, and with full compassion that I'm part of the society right. like everybody else. Yes. Is. <laughs> I'm affected by all these things. Yep. And I'm at a place where I can take responsibility for it now. You know, and I can say, well, what would I do if I wasn't afraid of being rejected? Reflect so much for each other. And I think that there's so many ways that I'm able to see myself in my glory but also what my fears have been and what they've cost me by being in relationship with you. Mm. You know, because it actually shows up in ways that become absurd. If I had to list all the things that, all the ways that you've shown me that you love me, all the ways that you've accepted me, all of the, you know, like, that you designed your whole life around being able to accept and learn and grow with me, that I would be like, why am I afraid of rejection here? Mm-hmm. And to really see, oh, it runs so deep. And it doesn't even have anything to do with this. And I can go back and be like, oh, how long have I been doing this? Mm-hmm. What other places have I been doing right, this? Right, you can see the thread. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it makes my own freedom, going back to how we met at an abolitionist event, to liberate all of our folks. Um, the possibility of being free from that. I can actually see that possibility and take actions towards that possibility and also just notice when I'm not taking actions towards that possibility. Yeah, yeah. I would would say the other thing is that there are so many ways that this work, and I feel like all of the work that we're doing as a species requires us to have new stories and new possibilities and step into a broader vision. And that's why Black Women's Film School mm-hmm. is really invested in giving us and creating space for us to have access to media making tools to tell stories, tell these new stories. And we'll be um, doing more of that work in 2020 in January nice. with courses that people can access here in Durham and also online. Because I think a big part of the work isn't just consciousness raising, 
but creativity raising, possibility raising. Building capacity for Mm -hmm. people to do their Mm -hmm. thing. Oh, and the love ships. I mean, I was thinking about what you said about people seeing the possibility, and I was, and you said this today, and I think people have said, oh, seeing our relationship for, for some people has been like, oh, I saw something that was possible that I didn't, hadn't seen before. But what we have known for a while is that we want to share with other people, especially queer people of color who are in partnership or who are seeking long-term committed partnership, that there's so much that we've learned. There's so much that our elders have poured into us. We can, this can become shared. You can share this. You know, anything that has saved our lives can be shared. So we just, we did our first cohort this past year. There were two different types. So there's the love ship cohort, which people participate in as partners. Mm. It's awesome. It's a black feminist curriculum. Of course, it's grounded in some awesome black feminist texts, like Drew Jordan was guiding us this time. And there's things that people do inside of their love ship with, with whatever partner that they're participating with. And then they actually get to squad up with another relationship and do activities together and reflections and support each other. And um, gosh, it was just such like this first cohort was like, speaking of sweet space, it's just like you got people who love each other. And then you have people who are lovingly supporting each other to love love each each other. other. Mm -hmm. And then you have like a whole group, like it it just is like this exponential, (laughs) almost overwhelming, beautiful sweetness that it's it's like, oh my gosh. And then the Lovebirds curriculum is for people who who they themselves are seeking partnership and, and they are you know, similar to where we were, but before we met, or I'll say, like, some people are where I was. I feel like we're different parts of the spectrum, where I was like, let me avoid intimate relationship because I've been so hurt, and really my journey, if I was a lovebird, would be, how do I learn to love myself in ways that make what I want in my life possible? Mm -hmm. You know, like, where is my yes? If I've lost relationship to my yes, like, what does it take for me to actually find that and claim that for myself right. and love myself more deeply from to I feel like Shandadara was like in a very different place on the spectrum of like I want committed partnership I have a list I'm doing meditations I'm doing visualizations I have sent out an email anybody who I know who might be the person to connect me with whoever this person is and so people who participate in the lovebirds they're in different places on that spectrum mm-hmm. and they've decided that it would be great to have a supportive space to be able to navigate that and to be able to, I mean, the sweetness of queer people of color fantasizing, supporting each other to fantasize about how they want to be loved. It's like, incredible. it's so like, like we get to be part of that, you know, and to hold space for that. So that that's another thing that's really, because we've seen, like you said, we've seen how what we do and practicing these values, which we do see as black feminist values, like practicing them with each other, deep within ourselves, absolutely is how we cultivate the energy to have a loving world and a loving society Mm -hmm. and make brave decisions. And there's so many, there's infinite applications, right? But it's been, and and what we're doing is really specific, right? It's like specifically prioritizing for people of color, Mm -hmm. specifically looking at what it means for someone to work with one partner at a time, and people maybe maybe multiply partnered, and they can participate multiple times with right, right. people, and, and like it's all a beautiful thing. But like, what does happen in a one-on-one mm-hmm. 
with with another person, what is the focus and rigor of that that can that can provide something for our our whole lives and our whole community? Yeah, well, I think the thing is that there are so many tools that can support our relationships, whether they're romantic, intimate, sensual, sexual, fraternal, sororal. Yes. Like, you know, if I have a hammer and you're over there, you know, trying to build a house with, a, a, you know, a log, I feel like it behooves me to be like, you know, hey, check out this hammer. And like, you know, look, this is how you use it. And here, practice on these line of nails. Yes. Okay, cool. Now you take this hammer and go yeah. off and build whatever you want to build. And I feel like that that is a large part of what we're doing. We're creating this um, safe or sweet space, but we're also sharing specific tools that people can go off and use. And the way that I understand it is th those tools are infinitely shareable. So once you know about a hammer, you can make a hammer, go to the store and buy a hammer and continue to share it, but also by learning to do it in relationship, like an uh, expanding web of relationship, I feel like we can have a robust impact on our whole community, on the whole planet, by using tools to relate to each other, how to listen, how to communicate, how to talk about what we want and what we need, how to be accountable, like just so many different mm -hmm. things. And then practices like, you know, dedication. What does it mean to create a sacred space through the dedication practice that we um, offer? So I, I feel like that it is, you know, a really big gift um, and I can say that because I know it was a big gift that I got and mm -hmm. that I still am getting. And so it makes me really happy and excited to pass it on and to understand that, to understand that it's a really big deal because it's, I feel like it can shift the way that we relate in community, mm -hmm. like wholly. It can uh, just shift it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, it's, it's like, it's so simple. It's like, oh, we have a hammer, but you know. There are a lot of hammers out there, mm -hmm. and very few of them are made of black feminist tech. <laughs> okay, and very few of them are made of the kind of transformative black feminist practice you've been in. So, everyone in our community is holding these hammers that have no meaning, no context. Mm -hmm. They're psychish, you know, in a very you know sort of white Western model. They just want to go back to these, you know, uh, you know, what's your relationship with your mother? You know what I mean? And, and really having no racial or gendered ideas about our mothers, you know, and our mother's different contexts and experiences. I mean, I'm, I'm in D.C. and I've had a mixed race family and trying to find a black feminist therapist to deal with our family. You know, you go into white white contexts, the interpretation of what's going on in our family is just so wrong. Mm -hmm. It's just so off and it, it immediately reinscribes all the inequalities that are already bearing down on the relationship. So it's a really big thing to have your hammer for your community. You know what I mean? And to really be out there and spreading those tools, right? And offering them. Because yeah, I mean I just think still the way our culture's structure around what tools are available. You've got black feminist sacred texts at church. You've got, you know, black feminist practical texts in relationship work. I mean, it is like, when I think about 
all of the spaces you're in and what you're creating, the, the tagline that you've given me that has come out of this is, you know, we're in this together. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's it's the basis of your relationship and it's the basis for, for everywhere you go. So it's incredibly powerful and beautiful. Yes. Thank so, you. I just wanted to really thank you for sharing it with all of us. Yes. And I hope lots of people will tap into what you're doing because it is... It's the future, <laughs> and it's now, and you know, it's there for all of us, so thank you so much. We just are so grateful that you have committed your life to that. It's huge. It's a huge contribution, and we know we're not the only ones who've benefited from it, but we really want you to know how much we have. Time for that quick break in the pod where I thank my sponsors. You know, it's not easy to get sexual liberation work funded, and I can't thank these generous, visionary sponsors enough. The Freeman Foundation, centering Eros and sexual liberation in the LGBTQ movement for justice. The Wild Geese Foundation, working to defend human rights and grow food sovereignty. Elizabeth Scott, a longtime mapper and philanthropist based in Minneapolis. And finally, Grinder for Equality, leveraging the power of our social and sexual connections for LGBTQ human rights around the world. Thanks, everyone. That's a wrap. I hope you are well. I hope you are breathing. I hope you are staying connected to the people, nature, and daily practices that help you remember yourself your strengths, your brazenness, your worth. More emergency podcasts are in the works as we grow emergent strategies together for surviving and thriving in this challenging moment and the next. I want to suggest that while our in-person interactions are contracting, our phone, text, email, snail mail, and video connections must expand and we can be expansive in them. We can be brazen, vulnerable, ever more true to ourselves. We can still want more from this world and from each other. We can still want. Hey, I hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you did, please head over to iTunes and give us a zillion stars. Send a link to your friends. Talk us up. If you'd like to respond to the show or stay connected, find us on social media under Just Sex Podcast and Desire Mapping. And if you have questions for me about your desire map or comments, you can email me at justsexpod at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. Like we both agree on what to do.